And while we're trying, while I'm trying to find the mind of God on what's next, we're just preaching uh, random messages. And so we find ourselves here in Joshua chapter 14. A couple weeks ago, we looked on helps to being an effective witness. We are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. There's some things that you can do to be more effective at that. And then last week, we looked at the title of Encouragement. Preacher, who needs encouragement? All people do. Pastor, what's the problem when you lack encouragement? Well, you get to just worrying about yourself. Don't think about others, what others need. What's the best place to get encouragement? That's, of course, the house of God. And is there ever a time when we won't need to be encouraged? Yes, when we get to heaven. This side of heaven, there's constantly going to be things that are thrown your way that you're going to need encouragement. Having said that, Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14. If you'd follow as I read verse 6, 7, and 8, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Joshua 14, again beginning at verse number 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, that's who we're going to look at tonight, this man named Caleb, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him. So we have Caleb speaking to Joshua. And he said unto him, Then thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for each one that's here. Lord, again, we know that some are dealing with sickness, and we know that some are out of town. Bless them, speak to them where they're at. Lord, we thank you for each one that's come. And I pray this evening as we focus on this man, Caleb, Lord, there's something unusual about him. God, you said something about this man that you said about nobody else in all of the Bible. And I pray that, Lord, we would covet for that statement to be said of us. Help us tonight. Direct your thoughts, direct your words. Help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, this is Caleb talking to Joshua. And I think that if you know your Bible, you know that uh, that word Caleb, he is an Old Testament character. We know that when the Jews were slaves in Egypt, they began to call out that God would send a deliverer. And we know that God sent or delivered Israel from Egypt by a man named Moses. And so Moses took them out of Egypt and uh, they wandered for 40 years we know that the very first thing they did is they crossed the Red Sea. We know that the next thing they did is they came to Mount Sinai. They were at that mountain almost a year. After they left that mountain, they came to the southernmost part of the Promised Land. That southernmost part is mentioned there at the end of verse 6. It was Kadesh Barnea. And we know that uh, Moses said it's time to take the land. And uh, the people said, how about we send some spies in? 
and they can spy out that land for 40 days and come back and give us a report. And so sure enough, the Bible says back there in Numbers 13 that there was one from every tribe. So there were 12 men that were sent into that promised land for 40 days. When they came back, they all said it's a beautiful land. When they came back, they all said it's a wonderful land. But 10 of those 12 said, we can't go. They said, the walls are too high, the giants are too big, we better not go in. We know that two of those 12 said, let's trust God. Those two were named Joshua and Caleb. And so here, that Caleb and Joshua, 45 years later, they are now in the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were over the age of 20 that had been delivered from Egypt. They were the only two over 20 that were allowed to enter into that promised land. There is something spectacular about Joshua And there is something spectacular about Caleb. In fact, this statement is said about Caleb five or six times. You see, is it five or is it six? That's for you to decide. Uh, But look there at the end of uh, verse number eight. Caleb again, well, look at all of verse eight. Caleb is saying to Joshua, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I... Holy followed the Lord my God. That statement is made about Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord. Holy is completely. Not only did Caleb say that about himself. Look at the very next verse, verse 9. And Moses swear on that day. That's when the 12 spies came back. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance. He's saying to Caleb, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb said it about himself. I've wholly followed the Lord. Moses said it about Caleb. He has wholly followed the Lord. There's one more that said the same thing about Caleb. And look there in verse 13. And Joshua blessed him. That's when Joshua and Caleb are talking. I would suggest to you that the third time that that same statement is made about Caleb, Joshua is now making it. Now, if you're not convinced that from verse 13 and 14, you'd have to be convinced because it's likely that Joshua wrote the book of Joshua. So let's look there in verse 14. As Joshua is speaking to Caleb. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So Caleb said it about himself. And uh, Moses said it about Caleb. And Joshua said it about Caleb. And not only do we find that there in Joshua, we find it again said in Numbers about Caleb. And again said in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy about Caleb. Something about this man Caleb is an unusual thing. And so if you're taking notes, I know that many of you do, I'd like to title this, The Keys to Caleb's Success. Uh, 
the keys to Caleb's success. Again, it says that he wholly followed the Lord. Now, if God, think, think 12 spies, only two of those 12 ultimately moved in. Two of 12, one of six, that's 16%. But even a smaller percentage, only two of one million Jewish adults got there into the promised land. Something's rare about this. Pastor, if it says that he wholly followed the Lord, how did he do that? What does that mean? Well, let's start there, if you would, in Joshua chapter 14. Look there in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 7. Forty years old was I. And so again, Caleb is looking back, although Joshua, he's now in the promised land. He is looking back at that time when he was a spy and went into Canaan. Forty years old when I, uh, was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. He was 40 when he went in for those 40 days. Now look there, if you would, in verse number 10. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day Four score and five years old. How old is four score and five? Eighty-five. So he was 40 when he went into spy for 40 days. And now he is 85. When he was 40, he was wholly surrendered to the Lord. When he is 85, he is still wholly following the Lord. Again, that term that he wholly followed the Lord, would you write this first of all? Uh, the first key of Caleb's success is his commitment to the path of God. His commitment to the path of God. In other words, all of his life, he wholly followed the Lord. So holy as far as time. Holy as far as the amount of his life. We know that uh, Caleb was born in Egypt. Because he was 40 when he went to spy out the land, that means he was probably 39 when he came out of Egypt. I think that he remembered what the Egyptian life was. Egypt is always a picture of the world. Caleb remembered how the world treated him. Caleb remembered the scars and the pain and the suffering that he experienced in the world. And when God delivered Caleb from Egypt, from that point forward, he wholly followed the Lord. It wasn't just a year. It wasn't just two years. It wasn't just five years. According to what he says in verse number 10, now for 45 years... He has wholly followed the Lord. Preacher, what's the secret? Don't get in and get out of this Christian life. Don't be hot and be cold. Don't be revived and then get backslid. Be wholly following the Lord as far as a consistency of time. 
Find the path of God. Stay on the path of God. Don't veer from the path. There's plenty of examples of believers who did well for a time and then checked out. Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present world. So Demas did fine for a time, and then Demas checked out. John Mark did fine for a time, and then he checked out. Now, thankfully, later on, John Mark got back in. And so we're grateful for everyone who walked with God, who got out of a walk with God, and got back into a walk with God. We're thankful for everyone that comes back. Some of us are praying that the comeback will happen with people in our own family. So that's understandable. Caleb never had that. Caleb never walked with God and then stopped walking with God and then came back in a walk with God when it says Caleb wholly followed the Lord. When he got on to the path of God, he never changed, he never veered, he never got another idea. Uh, I'm saying to you that, uh, he, he, could I put it this way, he stayed committed to the Lord. Notice, uh, notice verse 7. This is how Caleb talked when he was 40. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord. He's talking about the Lord. That was, that was what came out of his mouth when he was 40 years of age. Then look there, verse number 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. He's still talking about the Lord. And uh, there, a little bit further, kept me alive and said, these 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake this way. You know, he's still talking about the Lord. He didn't, after five years, start talking about something else. He, he stayed consistent with the Lord. At no time did he begin shopping around for something else. I think all of us would recognize the term window shoppers. How many of you recognize window shoppers? Uh, I think more ladies like window Now, if you're a man, like window shopping, help yourself. But I think more ladies, they could spend all afternoon in a mall and not buy a single thing. They're just going from window, looking at all the stuff and going to the next, looking at all the stuff. And it just about infuriates some husbands. We won't have a show of hands. I heard of a man one time that complained to his wife, why do you do this? What kind of excitement do you get out of this because you never get anything? And she said, well, honey, it's kind of like you going fishing. You keep going fishing and you never get anything either. That's for free. Caleb, in his 45 years, he never shopped around for something different. He never looked around for an alternative to the sold-out Christian life. And so I say the first key to the secret of Caleb's success was there was a commitment to the path of God. If you are already in your heart, and no one would know it, but if you're already in your heart making a planned escape, you are looking for the right time to get out of this Christianity thing. You are looking for the right excuse or, or the right reason or the, the appropriate exit ramp. Then you are troubled just waiting to happen. Caleb wasn't looking for that. Caleb wasn't looking 
for a plan B. Caleb was committed to the path of God. I, I read this, Julius Caesar, when he sent some of his army uh, to the shores of Britain, he sent his Roman legions there. And after all those Roman soldiers got off the ships that Julius Caesar sent to Britain, and all those men on the shore began to march up there, the cliff to get up higher on the plateau, the captains of that, those armies stopped the soldiers and said, we want you to look back at the ships. And while these soldiers had climbed up to higher ground, Julius Caesar had given instruction to burn the ships. And these soldiers, not knowing what they were going to face ahead, they looked back and there was no ship to return to Rome with. There was no plan B. There was no backup path. That's why his armies went forward and they saw great victory. If you are planning an escape, you will not rejoice in the success that Caleb had. And so for 45 years, he stayed faithful. He stayed on top. Do you know that uh, a lot of Christians, they're, they're looking for a way out. A lot of Christians, maybe I could put it this way, they're, they're riding the brakes. Uh, our car, now, if, if, if you have a foot in the gas and the foot in the brake, it has a light that comes on. It says you can't have a foot in both. You say, preacher, you wouldn't do that. I never said I did that. I never said I didn't either. If you have a foot in gas and another foot in the brake, riding the brake is when you, you kind of just have that tap just a bit, just in case. Do you know that there are Christians that are riding the brake in their ministry for God? Don't want to go too fast. Might get carried away. Might get involved in something that's over my head. Heard about this guy, he had vehicle trouble. Couldn't even drive to the mechanic. So the mechanic sent a tow truck. And that tow truck hooked up and the guy got to stay in the car. And uh, as they were going up this hill, it was a pretty steep hill, Boy, this, this tow truck driver, he didn't think they were even going to get up the hill. And finally, when they got up to the top, he pulled over to the side. He went back there to the driver, and he said, I didn't think we were going to get up that hill. The, the driver said, I didn't think we were either. That's why I kept my foot on the brake. <laughs> now, if you're a Christian and your foot's on the brake, you'll never enjoy the success that Caleb did. And so, again, we're trying to look at the keys to his success and the first key to his success is his commitment to the path of God. Now, are you sometimes in, sometimes out? Are you sometimes up, sometimes down? Are you sometimes happy that you're saved and sometimes sad that you're... Are you sometimes in your Bible and sometimes out of your Bible? Are you sometimes in church and sometimes... You've got to be committed and just press on. Give your all. Your all might not be as much as the next guy's all. But if God has your all... Most of you heard the name Dwight Eisenhower. How many heard that name? He was a president. Dwight Eisenhower and his wife, they were going to buy a cow. So they heard of some farmer that had a cow for sale, and so they drove the distance to meet this farmer and meet the cow. And Eisenhower, he said to the farmer, can you tell me about the cow's pedigree? 
farmer said, I don't even know what pedigree means. And they said to the farmer, they said, well, can you tell us the cow's butterfat production? <laughs> the farmer said, I have no idea. And so they said to this farmer, how many pounds of milk will this cow produce in a year? The farmer just kind of shrugged his shoulders. And the farmer said, listen, I'm not smart enough to answer all your questions. All I can say is she's an honest cow, and she'll give you all the milk that she has. Are you an honest Christian? You giving God your best? You give him everything? That was the start of Caleb. I give you a second thing. Look over there in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12. Again, we're looking at the keys to Caleb's success. His first key was a commitment to the path of God. He chose that path and he never veered from it. Secondly, verse number 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. What would, now this, Caleb is 85. He's no longer 40, now he's 85. What would make an 85-year-old man think that he deserved to get that mountain? What would cause a gray-haired senior... <laughs> to think that he's going to conquer the giants that still live on that mountain. The answer is found in verse 12, and we read it fast, but now we'll slow down. Why would he think that he has rights to that mountain? Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. God told him. God told him, that's your mountain. And he just took God at his word. Look there at the end of verse 12. Says, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So again, God said it. Could I say, secondly, the second key to Caleb's success was his confidence in the promises of God. His confidence in the promises of God. He said, if God said it, that's my mountain. And what a wonderful thing it would be for all of us as children of God to simply believe if God said it, I believe it. If God promised it, it's as good as mine. So again, the first thing was his commitment to the path of God. The second one is his confidence in the promises of God. And so when the other ten spies came back with the report, they said, there's giants in the land. And there's giants that are so much bigger than we are. Caleb didn't see that way. Caleb said, sure, there's giants in the land. But God is so much bigger than the giants are. Folks, if you are focused on the promises of God, Whatever the opposition comes your way, the promises of God are always bigger than the opposition that comes your way. And that was the second key. He simply was confident in the promises of God. And, uh, you know, the ten said that uh, the giants are too big for us to overcome. And Joshua and Caleb said uh, they're too little for God to struggle with.
While the ten focused on the enemy, these two focused on God. And while the Jews banked on the words that the ten said, Caleb and Joshua banked on the words that God said. Folks, faith is not just positive thinking. Well, I'm just going to be positive. That's not faith. Faith is not just looking on the bright side. Faith is not just being optimistic. Faith is simply acting on what God said that he'd do. If God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've called upon the name of the Lord, you're saved. Pastor, what about the days that don't feel safe? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Well, yes, but. No, but. God made that promise, and you can hold that promise. How many times are Christians trying to talk themselves out of what God already said is so? There's from time to time, as, as a preacher, I get it. I'm sure as Christians from time to time, you get it. Somebody will come up and they'll say, I just found a verse that I think is wrong. <laughs> I get that from time. Pastor Carlson, I just found a verse I think is wrong. I said, no, it's not wrong. Well, you haven't even heard the verse yet. I know. But it's not wrong. If God said it, it's true. If God said it, it's trustworthy. If God said it, you can bank on it. If God said it, it's always true. And that's exactly Caleb's attitude. Do you know, the Bible says, uh, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He never said he'd take the burden away. But he said, if you'll give God that burden, God will carry you through it. Preacher, what happens when I'm in a low valley of an a, a, a odd day of the week? Listen, hold on to that promise from God. And that's exactly what Caleb did, and God blessed him for it. I think I've told this before, but there was a captain on an ocean liner, and uh, they were going through the dense fog off the coast of Newfoundland. It was Wednesday evening, and the captain had been up on that bridge of the ship for 24 hours, and he felt a tap on his shoulder. He was almost asleep standing. And he turned around, and it was George Mueller. We know that George Mueller is a great man of faith, and so George Mueller said, Captain, I must be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. And... <laughs> Captain looks at him and says, that's impossible. We cannot get there. It, it's impossible. Not with this fog, not with this uncertainty. And the captain was sure that uh, George Mueller must be a lunatic. And he said, do you know how dense the fog is? And Mueller said, no. He said, my eye is not on the density of the fog. My eye is on God who controls all of these circumstances. And so he said, how about we move to the chart room and pray? Captain said, okay. <laughs> Can't hurt, I guess. He didn't believe God was going to answer it. So they went to the chart room, and, and Mueller got on his knees and said, Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. Thou knowest the engagement that thou made for me in Quebec for Saturday, and I believe it's the Lord's will. In Jesus' name, amen. A simple, childlike prayer. 
Well, after the captain heard that, he thought, anyone can pray that simply. And the captain was about to start praying, and Mueller stopped him. And he said, you don't need to pray. Now the captain's kind of bewildered because he thought we were supposed to go down to pray. First of all, the captain said, you don't believe that God's going to answer a prayer like that. And he said, secondly, God's already answered the prayer. And they went back up there and the fog was gone. There was a man that believed the promises of God. Whatever you're going through, find a promise from God and you can count on that. I give you a third thing. Pastor, what was the keys to Caleb's success? First of all, his commitment to the path of God. He found God's way and stayed on it. Second, his confidence in the promises of God. Finally, Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12. I know we've been there for all three. Joshua 14, verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out. Now, do you know, as much as Caleb made a commitment to God, and as much as Caleb believed in the promises of God, Caleb knew that he still had a part to do. And that's why at the end of verse number 12, he said, then shall I, uh, sorry, I shall be able to drive them out. Caleb was not the kind of guy to stand back with his hands in his pockets and wait for God to do it all. Caleb knew that he had a part. Caleb recognized that there were some things that God would not do without him doing his part. If you're writing notes down, the third key to Caleb's success was his courage to proceed for God. His courage to proceed for God. He still knew he had to climb the mountain. He still knew he had to fight those giants. He still knew that there was a part that he had to do. And as wonderful it is that a Christian can commit to God and a Christian can cl uh, claim the promises of God. Folks, we still have a part to do. Could I close with this thought? Caleb had three obstacles to overcome. First obstacle was the grasshoppers. <laughs> Remember when the 12 came back with their report? Ten said, they are giants in the land. And we are as grasshoppers in their sight. Grasshopper is small. We would think a grasshopper is incapable of doing much. And do you know what the first obstacle that Caleb had to overcome? He had to overcome the grasshoppers. He had to overcome the people that said, we can't do it. It can't be accomplished. We don't have the strength. We don't have the finances. We don't have the wherewithal. We don't have the ability. And if you're going to do something for God, first you're going to have to be committed to God. Second, you're going to have to count on the promise of God. But third, you're going to have to have the courage to put one foot in front of the other and start at it. But you're going to have to overcome the naysayers. And you're going to have to overcome the people that say it can't be done. The first obstacle was the grasshoppers. 
The second obstacle was the giants. There were giants. No question that they were bigger than Caleb. And folks, there's no question that we're going to deal with things that are bigger than us. God's well able. He'd had to overcome the grasshoppers. People say we can't. He had to overcome the giants. And there were giants. But you know the third thing he had to overcome? He had to overcome the gray hairs. Uh, I'm sure you can't see it, but there's gray hair up there. You know what you get gray hair? You get gray hair from time passing. As much as at 40, Moses promised Caleb that he could have that mountain. He didn't get it right away. He didn't get it that week or that month or that year. Caleb had to wait how many years till he got it? 45. I'm sure between the time he was 40 and the time he was 85, he probably got a few gray hairs. And you're going to have to overcome that. Folks, our flesh wants it now. And we think if we just pray hard enough, God has to answer it now. God doesn't often answer it right away. And sometimes our waiting is the best thing that could happen. We want to kick a door open. God said, Caleb, you have to wait. Now, hold on. Caleb could have said to the Jews that now had to wander another 40 years, forget you. <laughs> I'm going to my mountain. That wasn't God's plan. David was anointed to be the next king. From what we know, he had to wait 15 years before that happened. God had to prepare David. God had to take out of the way Saul. God had to prepare that nation so they had confidence in David. If David had pushed the envelope, though he knew that becoming the next king was God's will, David would have created, created his own problems. Paul, in Acts 9, was led to Christ. As far as we know, it was seven more years from when Paul was led to Christ, though he was told, I'm going to use you to reach Jews and reach Gentiles and reach kings. Paul had to wait seven more years. What are you waiting for, Paul? The timing of God. I'm saying to you, if we're going to have a success like Caleb, first of all, it's going to take a commitment to God. God, I'm not looking for something else. All I want is to live for you. That's the first thing. Second thing, he had to hold to the promises of God. God promised that mountain was his. He had to hold to that. Contrary to everything that came his way, I believe what God says. Third thing, he just had to wait upon the timing of God. And when God said now, that's when he had to have the courage to go ahead. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I'm not sure what God's doing in my life. But wouldn't it be a blessing if God said, you have wholly followed the Lord. What a compliment.